Good morning, Rock Hill family, and happy Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us online today. I am so looking forward to getting into God's Word, and I'm believing that God has a special message for us to hear today. And I'm excited that it's a brand new month. We're in the month of May, and I'm believing that God is going to do some special things in this month, and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. And next Sunday is Mother's Day, and I want to encourage you to tune in. We have some special things planned for all the moms uh, next Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that. And if you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in James chapter number three. And over the last several weeks, we have been studying the book of James, and I love the book of James. Uh, It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. So much practical wisdom and insight is found in the book of James. And this week, we're going to be in James chapter number three. And we'll start reading in verse number one. And I want to bring a message today that I'm calling this trash talk. Trash talk. Go ahead and ask someone in the comments, are you talking trash? Are you talking trash? We're going to look at this uh, text from James chapter three and learn about how our words matter. James chapter three, verse number one. The Bible says this. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and is able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths and they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth, Great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Today, I want to talk about the power of our tongue and the power of the words that we say. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. And God, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and to study your word, even in an online environment. And God, I pray that right now that we would be able to have a focused heart, that we would be able to lean into your text today, into your word. God, I pray that we would be doers of the word, that we would find something today that you are speaking to us and that we would apply it to our lives. God, I pray that we can leave our time together different and that we can leave with a better understanding of how we can speak in a way uh, that gives you glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, ESPN uh, put out a documentary called The Last Dance. And this documentary is all about uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And don't get me wrong, I believe that the greatest team in the history of the NBA is the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, everyone knows that. Uh, But it's been fun to watch uh, this documentary and to learn a little bit about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. And one of the things that Michael Jordan was uh, very uh, famous for was his ability to get inside another player's head. And uh, a lot of times he would initiate some trash talk and uh, he would uh, intimidate his opponent by the words that he would say. And uh, I read a story one time where Michael Jordan was uh, playing against Muggsy Bogues, who was the shortest player in the NBA. He was five foot, three inches tall. And on one occasion, Michael Jordan was guarding Muggsy Bogues and he actually stepped off him a little bit and he he, uh, hurled an insult at Muggsy Bogues and kind of uh, poked fun a little bit at his height. And later on, Muggsy Bogues said that that moment ruined his career. 
And if you look at his statistics after that moment, all of his numbers began to drop. And, and those words uh, really uh, penetrated uh, Muggsy Bogues and really made a dramatic impact on his life and on his career. And what we learn is that there, there is great power in the words that we say. This is something that uh, my children are learning right now. And I'm trying to teach my children about this. My daughter, Liv, uh, she is very competitive and uh, she doesn't like to lose. And whenever she loses, she'll kind of uh, pout a little bit and she'll get upset. And uh, I'm trying to teach her to be a good sport. And the other day I told her, I said, Liv, you need to be a good loser. And uh, my daughter, Blakely, my younger daughter, Blakely, she heard that and she said, yeah, Liv, you're a loser. <laughs> and I told Blakely, I said, I said, no, that, that's not what uh, you want to say to her. I said, um, when you call someone a loser in that sense, it, it's kind of like saying they're an idiot. And Blakely said, oh, so Liv's an idiot. <laughs> and, and she was still kind of catching on and trying uh, to learn the importance and the definition and meaning of words. But the truth is this morning, there is great power in the words that we say. And there is great potential for uh, help or harm in the words that we say. And the Bible talks about this over and over again. There's a powerful verse in 1 Peter chapter number 3, in verse number 10, that says this. For he that will love life, love life, and see good days. How many of you at home today watching this are just like, man, I just want a good day. And it'd be nice just to have some good days uh, every once in a while. Well, Peter says, if you want to love life, and you want to have some good days, he said, here's the key. Here's the secret to some good days and to love your life. Here's the secret. Refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. And Peter says, you want to have a great life and you want to love life? He said, take it from me. I had to learn this the hard way. Learn to master your mouth. Learn to tame your tongue and the words that come from your mouth. And if you learn to do that, you're going to love life and you're going to experience some good days. And I just passionately believe that you will not experience joy in your marriage if you don't learn to harness your tongue. You're not going to experience a productive and great work environment if you don't learn to harness your tongue. You're not going to have a great small group, a great, a great team environment. You're going to have uh, some miserable days, even on social media, if we don't learn to control the things that we say. And this is what James is communicating in James chapter number three. And, and by the way, I believe that how you speak about your season will determine how you see your season. And so often we are uh, filled with complaining and pessimism and negativity, and we're filled with all of these uh, discouraging thoughts. But if that's all that we are speaking, then that will be the sum of our experience. But if we learn to start speaking scripture over our season and we start to speak some of the promises of God over our season, you never know how God can change your perspective, can instill in your life a peace that passes all understanding, all because of the power of words. Words matter. In fact, go ahead and drop it in the comments today. Words matter. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 11 says this, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth that defileth a man. Jesus said, hey, it's not about what comes into your mouth. It's about the words that are coming out of your mouth that has potential to destroy your own life. There's great power in words. In fact, uh, research shows that the average person speaks about 7,000 words per day on minimum. 7,000 words per day. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of opportunity to uh, mess up something uh, that we say. How many of you at home watching today have ever said something and immediately you thought, 
shouldn't have said that. I wish I could just kind of take that back. And a lot of times we are uh, quick to speak and, and uh, we're not uh, listening uh, and we're not contemplating before we speak. Growing up, my mom had to wash out my mouth with soap on two different occasions uh, because of the words that came out of my mouth. And uh, one time it was with a bar of soap and the other time was with a soap dispenser. And I'm here today to tell you that the soap dispenser was far worse than the bar of soap. And uh, my mom uh, did not like the things that were coming out of my mouth and she wanted to, to, to train me. And so she uh, washed my mouth out with soap. And uh, she, is, she was teaching me at a young age that there is great potential and power in the words that we say. Now, this is something that we all struggle with. So, uh, so don't hear that story about me getting my mouth washed out with soap and start to judge me and say, man, I can't believe Pastor Matt struggles with this because this is something that we all struggle with. In fact, if you read the first nine verses of James chapter three, eight times he says, we, we. So go ahead and drop that in the comments today. We, <laughs> this is something that we all struggle with and that we all need to uh, deal with from time to time. James chapter three, he focuses on this subject in its entirety. It's all about the words that we say. Now, this is something that James has already communicated in the book of James. If you remember in chapter one, verse number 19, he says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And then he said in verse number 26 of the same chapter, he said, If any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And so James was, James was already communicating the importance of our words. And he says, if you can't control your tongue, if you can't harness the words that are coming out of your mouth, then your religion is, is vain. And so this is something that was very important to James. And this morning, I believe uh, passionately, and this might sound perplexing, but I believe that this message is so desperately needed today. That we so desperately need to learn how to harness the words that are coming out of our mouths. And I believe that if we can get a hold of this chap chapter in James chapter 3, that if we can understand what scripture is teaching us about the words that we say, I believe that it can change lives. I believe that it can change our church. I believe that it could change our community if we can learn the power of our words. And so today what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, walk through this passage together and break apart these verses and unpack these verses. And I'd like to give us four ways that we can tame the tongue. Four ways that we can tame the tongue. And if you're with me today, would you go ahead and drop an amen in the comments? And we're going to study this passage together this morning. The first way that we can tame the tongue today is this. Realize you're accountable. You have to realize that you are accountable for the words that you say. And this is what it says in verse number one. He says, my brethren, be not many masters. He says, hey, uh, there shouldn't be a lot of teachers. Uh, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And so James gives this sobering verse for anyone that's a teacher. He says, hey, if you communicate truth of God's word, if you're a communicator uh, of the word of God, you will be held in a very high regard. There's going to be a greater judgment and greater condemnation because there is a great weight and responsibility to communicating God's truth. And so anytime I open God's word and I communicate God's truth to our church family, there is a great weight and responsibility to that. And apparently in the church at Jerusalem, there was a lot of people that wanted to be quick to get up and start teaching. And James says, hey, be not many masters. There shouldn't be uh, that many teachers because you have to uh, really consider the accountability of the words that you say. There's going to be a great weight to this. A lot of people see 
uh, uh, the spotlight and they crave the spotlight. They want the spotlight, but they are unaware of the cost that accompanies the spotlight. And so James gives this sobering warning. He's saying, be not many teachers for they will receive the greater condemnation. You will be held in high regard for how you communicate God's truth. And I believe that this is true uh, for all communicators of God's truth, whether you are a parent communicating God's truth, whether you are a youth worker communicating God's truth, whether you are a kids worker communicating God's truth, there is a weight and a responsibility to that that we ought to take very seriously. And this is what James is saying in verse number one. Now, this applies to all of us, whether you are a teacher or whether you are a hearer, uh, we will be held accountable for the words that we say. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 36. He said, but I say unto you that every idle word, every word, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Man, talk about another sobering verse that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. And just that thought alone should cause us to pause a little bit before we engage in dialogue and before we speak up and share our opinion because we will be held accountable. And so James says, you want to learn to tame your tongue? First of all, you have to realize you're accountable for the words that you say. This brings us to our second thought today. Number two, if we're going to tame the tongue, we have to set the trajectory. We have to set the trajectory. I believe that our words that we speak have the power and potential to set the trajectory for our entire lives. And this is what James is teaching here in James chapter three. Our words have the power to direct. In fact, everybody in the comments today, go ahead and type direct because our words have the power to give direction. Now, notice what it says in verse number two. He says, for in many things we offend all. We're all gonna make mistakes. <laughs> well, all of us are imperfect. That is something that we all share in common. Whatever position you have, whatever title you have, we're all imperfect. And uh, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and also able to bridle the whole body. And so he says, but if you can learn to harness your tongue, if you can learn to bridle the words that come out of your mouth, you can control the whole body. And so uh, this is what he's saying in verse number uh, two. But then he goes on in verse number three and he says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. And that word turn is very important. He says we can turn their whole body. And then in verse four, he gives another illustration. He says, behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And so uh, that word turned there in verse number four, turned is very powerful as well. In fact, if you have a habit of underlining in your Bible or marking in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that word turn in verse three and to circle the word turned in verse four because he's saying uh, just like a bit in the mouth of a horse can turn that powerful horse and just like the helm of a ship or the wheel of a ship can turn the entire ship, so our words can turn our entire bodies and set the, direct, the trajectory for our lives. Let me tell you this this morning. Words are the steering wheel of life. Our words have the power to direct. And so often we're lacking direction in life and so often we're, we're, we're confused about God's will and where should I go and what should I do and we're looking for direction. And maybe this morning what you need is not a new vision. What you need is a new vocabulary. 
You need to learn to start speaking scripture and letting the words of Christ dwell in you and come out of you. And so often what we need is a new vocabulary because if we can learn to harness our words, we can set the trajectory for our entire lives. The words that we speak have great power for the direction of our lives. I remember when I was in elementary school, our neighbors had some uh, horses and uh, they went on a vacation for a couple of weeks and they asked us to take care of the horses and to watch the horses. And I thought, this is this will be awesome. I've always wanted a horse. And so I was excited about that. And uh, one day my friends came over and, uh, and I decided I'm going to go and show them that I know how to ride a horse. And up until this point, I had only ridden a horse with a saddle, but no one was there to put the saddle on. And I thought, well, I can just get on the horse bareback and it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter that much. And so my friends were there. We went out to the backyard and, and uh, I climbed up on the fence and I kind of jumped on the back of that horse. And I'll never forget that horse jumped up so big. He kicked me off. I flew back in the air, landed straight on my back. And uh, it was extremely painful. Then to look over at my friends and they are all laughing at me hysterically. Uh, But I learned that horses, they're very powerful. And there was no way that I was gonna uh, direct that horse or control that horse without having a saddle, without having a bit in the mouth of the horse. But James is saying, James is saying, man, if we can just learn to control our tongue, we can learn to control our entire lives because the tongue has power to direct, but the tongue also has power to destroy. There is great destructive power with the words that we speak. Notice what he says now in verse number five. He said, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Just a little spark can can turn into a wildfire. Just one stray comment, one stray word can turn into a wildfire. And he says in verse number six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is full of sin. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. And and so he's saying, man, uh, the tongue is just a world of iniquity. There's great potential for uh, danger and destruction with the words that we speak. Proverbs 18 verse number 21 puts it this way. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a powerful statement. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so that means that we can speak words of life or we can speak words of death. And by the way, I believe more than ever in this season and in this time in world history, we need some followers of Jesus that will be willing to use their voice to spread good and to speak life into their situation. Hey, we have enough people that are speaking negativity and pessimism and always being down and oh man, the world's coming to an end. Hey, what we need is some followers of Jesus that would say, you know what? Jesus is still alive. The church is still alive and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are victorious with Christ Jesus. And hey, we have this hope, which is an anchor for our soul. And hey, I'm not saying we should turn a blind eye to all the bad that's going on in the world, but I just want to remind you that we know how the story ends and Jesus is victorious. And so we ought to be speaking that kind of life uh, to the people that we come into contact with. And we ought to use our voice to spread life. And so there's great potential to spread words of life, but there's also great potential to spread words of death and to use our words for destruction. In fact, notice what verse eight says. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Think about that for a second. He says the tongue is full of poison. Now, I've never been poisoned. 
uh, before. I've had a little bit of food poisoning uh, maybe, but I know what poison does and the purpose of poison is to kill. And I remember growing up, our neighbors threw over our yard uh, some rat poison and they were just trying to throw it away. But instead of throwing it in the trash, they threw it over our yard and our dog went and ate that rat poison and our dog died because our dog ate that rat poison because that's the purpose of poison. It's to kill. And James is saying, your mouth The words that you speak have potential to poison the people around you. Our words are full of potential danger. And he says, think about that. Our words can destroy. Our words can destruct. Now, I mentioned earlier, we have 7,000 words that we speak in a day. That's 7,000 words to spew out poison. And you might think, well, I'm just the kind of person that just kind of says it how I see it. And I'm kind of just a little bit more harsh by nature. And so I just kind of uh, just kind of say what I'm thinking. Well, that might be true, but you also might be vomiting poison on someone's life who will reap the ramifications for years to come. And so I'm urging you today as what James is saying, hey, be very careful about the words that you say because there is potential to spread poison and destruction to the people in your life. There's great power in the words that we say. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building each other up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Psalm 39 verse number one says this, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you uh, to remember that uh, you can set the trajectory for your life with the words that you say. Our words have the power to to develop people, uh, to speak life to people, or to destroy. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We have to speak with that kind of grace. In fact, Warren Wiersbe, he said that there's 12 words that will change your life. 12 simple words, and this is what they are. Please, thank you, I'm sorry, I love you, and I'm praying for you. He says, if you can learn to say those 12 words, it will dramatically change the trajectory of your life. And today, if you're looking for direction, I would encourage you to consider your vocabulary. What words am I speaking over my season? What words am I speaking to my spouse? What words am I speaking to my relationships, the people that I love? What are the words that are coming out of my mouth? We've got to learn to realize that we're accountable, set the trajectory, but here's the third thought. We ought to aim for consistency. Aim for consistency. Now, he says this in verse number nine. If you're still with me, say, uh, I'm with you in the comments today. And uh, we're going to look at verse number nine. It says this, Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And so James is saying, hey, you can't just come and bless the Lord on one day and then curse men at the same time. He says, that's inconsistent speech. He says, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. And so if you want to tame your tongue, you have to aim for consistency. And this is very difficult because we can be so inconsistent with the way that we speak. And I think we can all be guilty of this from time to time. There are times in my house when uh, uh, the kids are running around going crazy and the dog is barking and and things are all in in a disarray and, and things are kind of chaotic. And then the phone will ring and I'll tell everyone, shh, and I'll say, Hello? And, uh, and uh, we can be inconsistent. One minute uh, yelling, hey, calm down. And the next minute, try to be real calm. And James is saying, hey, you can't just walk into church
church and sing about the love of God and, you know, oh, the overwhelming, uh, never-ending love of God and, oh, I love singing about the love of God and then we go to the parking lot and we start talking bad about our friend or we start talking bad about the usher that we didn't like where, where he put us in the seat and we start talking bad about us. James says, how can you bless God and curse men? Hey, hey, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. He says you have to aim for consistency. I read recently um, about the people of Wales. They have an interesting pastime. And the Welsh people, they love to sing. And so during warm-ups of uh, their soccer games, they'll sing uh, different songs. And in fact, what's kind of amazing is that they will sing very familiar hymns uh, before the games, uh, before uh, their soccer games. They'll start singing hymns. But then as soon as that game starts, then uh, they're not singing those blessings and praises to uh, the Lord. Now they're focused on the game and people are cursing and yelling and swearing. And uh, and, uh, one minute they're blessing and singing praises. The next minute they're singing curses. And this is what James is saying. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. We have to aim for consistency. Titus chapter 3 verse number 2 says this, Speak evil of no man. Have you ever paused to consider that? Speak evil of no man. Hey, if we, if we stop and think about that right there, I think all of us could say, you know what, I need to go and pray and get something right with God right now. Speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness, Unto all men. See, this is what we're called to do, to not belittle others and tear people down behind their backs and to speak ill of people. No, we're to speak evil of no man. And James is saying, uh, this is what we ought to aim for, this kind of consistent speech. Most people know uh, the famous verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But many people fail to remember 1 John 3.16, which says this, hereby perceive we love Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is the kind of life and love that the Bible calls us to, to love our neighbor, to uh, speak life to our neighbor, to speak words of edification and encouragement uh, to the people in our lives. We have to aim to speak with consistency. This means not gossiping. This means not talking bad about your, your, your leadership and not spreading rumors. This means speaking with that kind of consistency and love. This is what we're called to. Now, if we're going to do this, if we're going to speak with consistency, we need two things. We need to speak humbly and honestly. Humbly and honestly. We need both. Uh, we have to have the combination of both, humbly and honestly. Now, in Proverbs 15, it says this in verse number one, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And so there's the humility. We need a soft answer. We need to be humble in the way that we speak. But then in Proverbs 12, verse number 22, it says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. So there's the honesty. And we need both. Please hear me today. We need both. We need both honesty and humility. See, some people can speak honestly, but there's no humility anywhere to be found. And they struggle with humility. Some people can speak with humility, but they're not speaking the truth. They're not speaking honestly. And James is saying, hey, aim for consistency, both speaking with humility and honesty. And that's, that should be the goal and the desire of our hearts. And so we've got to set the trajectory. We've got to aim for consistency. And here's the fourth and final thing today, and we'll be done. Number four, if we're going to tame the tongue, we have to deal with the source. Deal with the source. Now, notice verse number 11 today in our text. He says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same time or at the same place sweet water and bitter? No, that, that, that can't happen. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Of course not. Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? 
And what he's saying is you've got to get to the source. Whether you are dealing with fruit or the source of water, you have to get to the source. And in the Bible, biblically speaking for our lives, the source is always the heart. It's the heart. Uh, The heart is mentioned over 900 times in scripture, and it's much more than just a blood pumping organ in our chest. The heart is the seat of the emotions. The heart is the real you. It's who you really are. And James is saying, hey, we have to deal with the source. If we want to control the surface words that are coming out of our mouth, the only way to get victory is to deal with the source. We've got to deal with the source. This is what uh, the Bible says in Matthew 12, verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so the mouth is simply a revelation of the heart. The mouth is a revelation of the heart. And sometimes we'll say things like, well, you don't know my heart. Well, we could say, well, I see and hear your words and your words are a revelation of your heart. And so we've got to deal with the heart of the matter. We've got to get our hearts right and in alignment with God. Growing up, our family, we had an apple orchard in our backyard. And one of my chores uh, from time to time was to go and pick the apples off the tree. And there was always a couple of trees that didn't really produce any apples. And uh, we were always kind of wondering what's wrong with those trees. There's something, you know, uh, defective about them. They're not producing any apples. And if I wanted to fix that problem, how how silly would it be for me uh, to go to the store and to go and buy a bunch of great uh, fresh apples and to go back to that tree that wasn't producing any fruit and to just kind of take those uh, good apples and maybe tie a string on them and tie a string to the branch and kind of tie some apples all around that tree. from a distance, it might look like, wow, that, that tree is doing better. It's, it's producing some fruit, but it's not real. There's something still terribly wrong with the root. And so often, the reason why we get in trouble is because we are busy uh, going around. We're putting, up, we're putting up fake fruit, but we're not dealing with the source. We're not dealing with the heart of the matter. And James is saying, if you want to get victory, you can't just fix the surface problem so that you look better to people and you, and you, and you have some surface level issues that you're dealing with. He says, if you really want victory, get to the source. Deal with the heart. Make sure that your heart is right with God and with men. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, keep thine heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. It's a wellspring of life. We've got to guard and protect our heart. Now, if we're going to do this, I think Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 has some helpful information because it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, in you. Everybody put in the comments, in you. Let the word of Christ, the words of God dwell in you. Memorize the word of God. Read the word of God. Let, let these words dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. Watch this, in your hearts. What, what, what is Paul saying to the churches at Colossae? He's saying, hey, He's saying, let the word of Christ get inside of you, get deep in your heart, let it become a part of you, because then it will flow from you. We've got to deal with the source, get to the heart. Now, today, if you're watching this service and you've never uh, really accepted Christ as your Savior, maybe you're new to uh, church, maybe you're for sure new to this online experience and you're trying to uh, decipher what this is all about, I I would just encourage you, to understand the correlation between your mouth and your heart. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse number nine, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, your mouth, there's your words, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart. And so the belief comes from the heart, from within. 
that God hath raised him from the dead, speaking of Jesus, thou shalt be saved. We confess with the mouth, but we believe with the heart. There's this correlation between the words that we speak and what we believe in our hearts. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hey, today you can believe in the name of Jesus Christ, you can accept him in your heart, and you can call upon the name of the Lord, and the Bible says you will be saved. We can know this with confidence, we can know this with certainty, because we can have faith in the words of God. Today, if you are saved, if you're listening to this message and you have accepted Christ into your heart, I would encourage you to, to take time to evaluate the words that you are speaking. Our, our words ought to be like that river described in Ezekiel chapter 47 that just uh, brings life to everything that it touches. That, that, hey, everyone that I come into contact with and everyone that I speak to, I'm just going to give words of life to. A everyone that I come into contact with, I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the words that come out of my mouth will be a continual sacrifice of praise. And I want to give praise to God. And I want to encourage other people and build them up. And I want to spread words of hope. And I want to spread words of grace and of mercy. Hey, that ought to be our desire, just like that river from Ezekiel 47, that everything and everyone that we come into contact with, we're giving words of life and we're building people up. And James says, this is so vitally important because the words that you say will set the trajectory for your life. And so we have to understand today, there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And I want to close with one last verse today in Psalm 141, verse number three, it says this, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. And that ought, that ought to be the prayer of every one of us today. Lord, will you guard the words that come out of my mouth? I, I want to practice discernment and patience with the words that I am speaking. Hey, let's have a word of prayer together this morning. And wherever you're watching from today, whether it's at home or with some friends, or maybe you're watching at a different time, I would encourage you, let's not, let's not leave this online moment. Let's not leave this without having the word of God speak to our lives and making a decision from it. Maybe you're watching today and, and maybe God has been convicting you about some of the words that you've been speaking. And maybe you need to uh, confess some things and get some things right with the Lord. Maybe you need to go and say, I'm sorry to someone. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to speak with humility. But if God is speaking to you today, I would encourage you, make a decision now that you can apply these truths to your life and leave this moment different, leaving here with the determination to speak life to those people around you. And today, if you're watching and, and you are not a Christian and you've never accepted Christ, I would encourage you, today can be the day of salvation for you. And uh, just like those verses, if you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart, you can call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. It's not by works. Uh, we talked about that all last week in James chapter two. It's not by works of righteousness uh, that, that we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. And today you can accept Christ into your life. You can receive the free gift of salvation. And, and that would be such an amazing thing to celebrate with you today. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to just end our service uh, today with a word of prayer. And specifically, I'm going to lead in a prayer for those of you that don't know Christ as your Savior. Whenever you're watching this and whoever you're watching with, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can 
pray and invite him into your life and believe with your heart and experience the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus and you can have a home in heaven forever. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna lead in a simple prayer and if you'd like to pray and accept Christ into your life today, I would encourage you, you can pray along with me uh, wherever and whenever you're watching. Let's have a word of prayer together. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Even today I was reminded that I can sin with the things that I say. And maybe it's not even the words that I say, but it's the thoughts that I think. But I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. And I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day and he is alive and well today. And God, today I wanna accept the free gift of salvation and I wanna accept Jesus Christ as my savior. I'm not trusting in myself, I'm not trusting in the church, I'm not trusting in works, but I'm trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. Thank you for the promise of heaven. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.